0: It's been a little while since we've done a State of Play. And I've actually got um, got quite a nice selection. I didn't realize I had quite so many. So uh, I've right. got to go through. I've got uh, Tiny Racer, Carrion, the Venom Travel Kit for Xbox and Xbox Elite, OutBuddies DX, Outcast, Sniper Elite 4, Far Cry DLC, Hours of Darkness, and Lost on Mars. Okay. So that's my, that's my itinerary.
1: Uh, I, yeah, I don't have too many, but I've got a few. Uh, I've got Bioshock Infinite, Burial at Sea, Part 1, and Part 2 oh. as well.
0: Oh, it was a two-part DLC?
1: Yeah, so two separate oh. stories. Uh, so we go through them. Uh, I've got Paper Mario, The Origami King. Nice. I have Carrion. I cool. have, Quick, I can go through Grounded. Um, and I'll... I'll if we got time, I'll chat a little bit about Modern Warfare 2.
0: I didn't expect that. Didn't <laughs> expect that at the end
1: Yeah, <laughs> I didn't expect it, really.
0: Well, should we go through Carrion first, because we both played it?
1: Yes. And uh-huh. then
0: Grounded as well, because I have dabbled, so that could be cool, because that's two a uh, two yeah. crossovers.
1: Okay, so uh, Carrion. It's a sort of a, a Metroidvania, really, isn't it? Yes, um, yes insofar as it's sort of side-on pixel art and not strictly linear. Uh, but the twist is that you play the monster and the, your kind of prey, your enemy is the humans. You, mm. the, the actual kind of your avatar, if you like, is an amorphous <laughs> kind of monster monstrosity. It's just a kind of mass of limbs and mouths.
0: And tentacles, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, just squelching through this facility.
0: I, I, the the sound the movement sound on it the, the skittering, well, I thought that so, the sound design of that game is amazing. The music is really really tasty, and yeah, the, the the sort of like as you move around, it's like oh that's such a buzzing sound, <laughs> that's such a horrible sound you would not want to hear in the dark.
1: Awesome. That's, isn't it? I like the way that you can kind of freak freak out the humans as well, which actually has a mechanical by making sound you could kind of call out to them, and it actually has mechanical. Use as well because you can kind of draw them towards one thing and then go around the back of them and
0: yeah and basically yeah.
1: You, you grab and absorb the humans to <clears throat> become more powerful and to heal yourself. Some of them you can't consume, but others you can. Some have like guns and shields, which is really annoying. Um, <laughs> and then sometimes you come across sort of like uh, these robot sentry things, where where you can obviously you can't just consume them, but you have to you fire your tentacles and rip parts of the armor off until you can get to the human inside if you like uh, which is pretty cool
0: i I found with the control scheme with karen initially i thought oh this is really twitchy and weird but i kind of i realized well i assume what they go for is when you kind of go into a room or a section where there's like a few humans it's quite thrashy it kind of puts you. it's not a delicate control scheme at all it puts you in the sort of um in the mindset of, like, if you were that sort of amorphous monster that bursts through a vent in a room, that you would just kind of thrash around, tear people, chuck them around. And I quite like yes. that.
1: Yeah, I, I was surprised by how kind of natural it felt after a while to be moving around with this thing. And what's cool about it is that the the more powerful you become, also the larger you become, and the more unwieldy. So there'll be moments where it's almost like you'll be controlling your your monster through, like, a kind of system of vents or whatever but it's so large that you it almost ends up becoming confused between what's the front and what's the rear sort of thing and (laughs) rather than it's sort of frustrating but at the same time it's like well that kind of is how this odd moss-like creature covering this huge space would probably act it probably would almost get confused in 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 and of itself (laughs) <laughs> yeah they, I think the the devs have they obviously worked a lot on the fundamentals of controlling the the beast
0: yeah.
1: uh, and it's quite clever how depending on sort of what's what what power level you are and i.e how large you are um certain parts are inaccessible because you have different skills depending on your power so sometimes yeah. you actually have to depower yourself uh you kind of deposit biomass um so you become weaker but you have a different skill set and it's quite clever in that way it's quite well designed
0: yeah yeah and i uh, i really enjoyed it like, I, I realized and i don't know if you read about what they've um the when i installed it the thumbnail of the game on the switch that was next <laughs> to animal crossing in my case i thought that is vaginal and <laughs> yes, that. and that was that's so, such a full-on image for um but apparently i think nintendo just tapped him on the shoulder and said, "Can you can you change that?" And not now it's sort a of a picture more
1: picture of a gaping <laughs> vagina, please. On <laughs> that, that, that would be grand, switch. yeah. Uh,
0: so they've changed that to like a more sort of cartoony image now.
1: Yes, Um they, there's no HUD or anything. There's no map system, as far as I know, unless I was missing something very obvious. But I guess <laughs> it's not. I mean the creature's not really gonna be looking at computer terminals and stuff, I guess. So Yeah,
0: I, I think yeah, there's there's no there's definitely no map system in it. And it that can although yes. it's obviously part of the game, sometimes, especially later on you think I really wouldn't mind knowing where
1: I've been and where I haven't been. It is a real it does become a real problem later on. Like in the in the levels themselves, it's okay because they're well designed enough that you basically can work out where how you're meant to advance. Because essentially you're you're creeping around the place, crawling around the place, and you are infested. There are certain points at which you kind of infest the environment and all your tentacles crawl through it. And um, and you're basically building up this kind of dominance over these different parts of the facility. But there's also, once you've kind of completed each level, you go back to like a hub world thing and then move on to the next section of the facility. But that's where the problem comes in, is that I got to a point to be fair, after probably about eight hours or so, where I I literally did not know where to go and I was just it was like I was just scuttling around in the end after the game had ended or something, but I'm pretty sure the game hadn't <laughs> ended. But I, I literally I mean i <clears> spent a good half hour just trying to explore, trying to find where I was meant to go next, and I could not find where to go. So I kind of jumped off this
0: this this that exact problem um and with the map system and that wandering around will come into play when i mention out buddies dx later on rupert which actually so i'll do now because it does lead on to it if that's cool okay
1: yeah i mean it's, it um, is a common issue
0: so yeah out buddies dx is, is again another a really nice pixel art metroidvania with with kind of visuals that sort of lie between like the the nes and the snes so that it's 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 quite gearish but like ultra smooth um it's. I really like the sort of aesthetic. The music is astonishing. It's wonderful, sort of um, synthy chip tune music, and the control scheme is. It's at the start, but the sort of premise is that you're you're a guy, and it's sort of like a sort of a 1920s steampunk dude with like a big curly moustache, good, and you kind of get dropped in this sort of underwater kingdom, and you have to sort of rescue. 80 of this these sort of folk that inhabit this underground sea world. Um but it's this whilst it's it's not like all swimming though, it's not all based in water, it's kind of an underground cave system where there are there are certain areas where you swim, but most of it is kind of on foot. And you're in this sort of um uh sort of diving suit, and you've got um the buddy, the, the literal titular buddy that's with you is is like a sort of floating uh, sort of mechanical sphere that can like lift objects and do certain things in the environment. And when I started playing it, I thought, oh, that's quite cool actually. You can have a two player mode where the second person would control that. But it would be right. like having a second player on, like Mario Galaxy, where really it's just like an, an like a an add on as opposed to a fully fledged two player experience. Right. So I started off and I did really like this game because I, I, same as you, I do like Metroidvanias, but a lot of the things that really draw people towards them, like the kind of aimless wandering and, and the really mm. sort of confusing map systems are things that push us away. So and yes. when I started playing the game, I really liked the, um, it felt very technical, like clunky in a kind of good way. Like, um, mm. Like, and I was getting used to the controls. Like, the right thumbstick controls your buddy, and then the left thumbstick controls you. And all of the menus are done visually. And it reminded me of a lot of like, um, sort of sports management games on the Amiga, you know, when it would just have like, like, like a gif or an image in every menu. Like, there was no, no there's there no, no, text.
1: no text, and it would just be like a picture of a filing cabinet or something. And it's like, well, you can keep anything in a filing cabinet, you know. Yeah. I <laughs> keep my gun in a filing cabinet. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, this yeah. is a quick game where you take the gun out of the filing cabinet. <laughs> and then, yeah. So the game
0: was initially fun. Like the, the, the sort of tone of it and the setting of it is really interesting. The music is great. And I thought, oh, I, I kind of initially liked the, the complexity of the controls. So I thought this is quite nice. It feels a bit fresh. And I was making my way around and powering up my gun and like getting get it just exploring, using my buddy to... You know, drop drop move huge blocks around and use it so using that for the puzzle elements and stuff mm-hmm. but then what actually what happened was i ended up like getting sent another game to review so of course i went away from it for like three days mm-hmm. and when i came back i thought right <clears throat> okay where was i and i opened the map system and i thought oh, of course this is because there's no text and although there are kind of, um, there is a sort of legend for the map, it's really confusing. So I, I kind of thought, ah, oh, I, I almost thought, should I restart? I lose like two or three hours. But no, oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. I'll, I'll plow on. And I ended up doing what you were doing, which is just kind of wandering. And I got to a, a point where, um, there was an image in the background of my buddy, like doing something with these, um, w- with these sort of enemies that some of which you can turn into platforms. And I, and I thought, well okay i hollered my buddy and i was going through the controls and i said i can't do this and then i went into the menu and i looked at the sort of of course all of the control scheme is just a load of just like him jumping him swimming but like with it's all image based and i thought well i i'm looking for something that makes my buddy do a very specific action <laughs> so i i really wouldn't mind knowing what that is and then i thought right okay i haven't got that ability i assume so then i just kind of went off wandering again and my interest just kind of waned yeah um, and and it was just due to that like sort of, it maybe it's partially my fault. Maybe if I just really stuck with it and played it straight through, but uh, yeah, going it's one of those games I went away from it and I kind of just no, I, this isn't yeah. grabbing I me.
1: Mean, it's basically it's quality of life stuff, isn't it? Really, and it just didn't provide it. Oh. Yeah, it's a pretty a particular problem with Metro Vane is trying to jump back into them. If you you try jumping back into something like Hollow Knight and it's just a nightmare because. I mean, something like that is so deliberately uh nonlinear uh, and explorative that you you go back in and it's absolutely baffling
0: yeah, that's exactly the trouble I had with this. i mean it's fun. I can imagine if, if someone was really into retro adventures and didn't mind that sort of um slight obscurity in the controls and and the and the way it's presented, then they would love it like it is a really beautifully designed game.
1: so was there no but... indication of actually where you meant to go at all? Was there something on the map to say go here? Or there's it-
0: no, there's no like, um, you know, when you go down sort of a certain uh, like avenue in a Metroidvania, and yeah. usually when there's a dead end, there's like a line, this, you, this, you've taken this path as far as you can. Yeah, there's none of that. And, and all of it's, it's all one huge system tied into itself, so it's not like sections, yeah. it's not like, like I've done this section. So, whilst there are like, you know, um, for instance, there's you pick up like a pink orb that allows you to shoot open, say, pink doors. Mm. You just on the on the map. It's just a load of pink doors leading around yeah. to each other in a circle, and you think, well, I don't know if there's, and there's a, a little bit of the um, progression relies, yes, on like putting bombs on walls that look like other walls but can actually be blown through. Ah. And I thought, oh, this is going to just degenerate into me just like taking a step, dropping a bomb, taking a step, dropping a bomb, and I wasn't really willing to, to yeah. do that.
1: That does hark back to the original Metroid, uh, Metroid sorry, and yeah. And it was very tedious then. Very Again, tedious
0: I'm sure some people love that, like love that kind of like the total guess, like, sense that, of
1: like that separates but... like a regular Metrovania from the hardcore Metrovania. I personally, I, I think of like something like Ori in the Blind Forest, where you your objective is clearly shown on the map, but in a very vague way. So you know that you've got to go north, say you've got to go up, so you yeah. work your way up, and. At the end of the day, you've still got to have the skill to fight your way through and work out all the puzzles along the way, but at least you've got an ultimate destination. What's really annoying is when you do all that fighting your way through, battling your way through, you get to a point where you think you're meant to be advancing, and you come to a dead end. And it's like, right, okay, well, I just spent half an hour working my way to this point, and now I'm going to have to try a different route randomly, and then do all this stuff again because that's how much of work you know this stuff um and
0: if everything responds enemies responds, responds.
1: Yeah. yeah so i don't see why they can't just have those basic quality of life things whereas like okay this is your next objective now use your skill to fight your way there rather than you've got to use your skill to fight your way to a place you don't even know where it is
0: because everything's so obfuscated yes. <laughs> you're like oh okay Yeah, um, like I said, not a bad game, just it it wasn't really for me. Like, the actual, you know, the the presentation of it is fine, but it wasn't for me. Um, Do you want to quickly talk about Grounded? Because I'm interested in what you think about this, because I've played it for about half an hour myself.
1: Yeah, i I played it for pretty much... I've finished the story content that they've done so far, basically. Okay. So this is a game from Obsidian, who made The Outer Worlds, and Tyranny, Pillars of Eternity, Fallout New Vegas, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a survival game set in a kind of Honey I Shrunk the Kid style setting. I got to say that
0: you, the sorry, to interrupt with it. Yeah. That that's quite a that list of games is quite nice in the span of genres it covers. Mm. That, that was quite a, when you said them out loud. Then I thought, yeah, it's almost like each game is a kind of different thing, which is quite cool.
1: Yeah, they're the kind of developer where you can look, you could trust that they're going to make something of a certain quality. I mean, The Outer Worlds wasn't really, it didn't quite hit. The peaks some of like people really
0: like that game.
1: Yeah, like, like I think Rich- it, it was it's decent. I mean, it's you know, if you bought that and played it, even if you didn't love it, you'd still think, right, this is a decent game. I mean, it's got some good writing and that. Mm. uh It just doesn't do anything remarkable. But yeah, so you're you basically start off. Oh, I suppose we should say that this is a a game preview, as it's known on Game Pass, which means early access basically. So it's not finished. So they warn you at the start that they're. You know, some bits won't be ready, and there may be bugs. And I did find a bug, oh. not, not as in a bug. An you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh No, I found a bug. Like when I don't know if this is the same for everyone, but when I would, because obviously on the Xbox One, you you quit to the home menu and you turn off the console sort of thing, and then when you go back in, you can just jump back into the game, yeah. um, which is fine, great. However, every time I tried to do that it wouldn't recognize my controller even though it was on and yeah so i had to each time reboot the game which is a bit of a pain in the ass but i'm sure that'll be fixed uh, anyway so you play one of four kids uh trying to work out what's happened uh, in this garden why they are where they are um and mechanically it's quite familiar kind of survival thing it, it, the difference is that instead of trees say you chop down grass instead of Rope, You collect plant fiber, that sort of thing. And instead of monsters, there are insects and arachnids creeping around. And most of the creatures are quite benign, really. Like ants won't attack you unless they're provoked. Although if you do attack one, it hunted me down. (laughs) Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> I didn't realise, I came across one when I was just like, literally just, you know you come out of that little sort of briefcase yeah, you think, oh, I love you, and I said, they saw an ant and I thought right, yeah, I'm going to kill you and wear your, your skin as my clothes, and I hit one and the colony starring Lawrence Fishburne, no the colony of ants just came hurtling towards me and I thought, oh right, and I was just completely
1: torn apart um, and of course there are spiders, they're, they're your main nemesis, and they are buzzing in this game, and um Especially when you get to the point where you you go and investigate the oak tree because they're they're just spiders kind of uh, prowling around uh, the roots all over the place. and it's it's genuinely quite nerve-wracking. There is an arachnophobia slider, which is amusing, where you can uh, remove legs and eyes. and eventually, if you have it on the lowest arachnophobia setting, then they're just a kind of murderous blob floating around, uh, which is quite amusing. Um, yeah, so I played up until the end of the solo content, uh, where you end up investigating this oak tree and this science base underneath it. And then there are tiny little robots in there, which are a bit less interesting than bugs, obviously. Um, oh, and there's a, it's got a day-night cycle as well, and nighttime is a bit of a nightmare. So there's like, everything becomes more aggressive and monstrous after nightfall so you have to build a shelter you know it's the standard survival stuff but it's just cool because because of the environment you're exploring it's just it's just really neat like your landmarks will be like a dropped coke can or something like that or you know it will be like a crisp packet and um and it does look pretty tasty I like the way that um it's got this kind of forced perspective thing where everything, all the really vast stuff, is really everything up close is very uh, very sharp, and then in the background it's very very like uh, out of focus and stuff. It really creates a kind of sense of like a a tiny world. Um, yeah, I mean it runs okay on Xbox. I found, although the the frame pacing felt quite off to me, and it was so it was a bit uneven. The FPS. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Hopefully that that's okay. something that. Yeah, that's sorted, yes. Yeah. Um, to be honest, my mileage with survival games depends really on the setting, and because it doesn't seem to do anything particularly new, but the the setting's so interesting that I'd be willing to play. You know, keep playing, and you know it's a reason I could never get into something like Subnautica because I don't. I'm not interested really in like swimming around in the ocean. <laughs> Um, but this is quite appealing, I'd say, and a, it's going to be have a full release in twenty twenty one. It's interesting that they just released it on Game Pass. I guess you can just keep playing, and it will keep getting updated until the release. Well, yeah,
0: my experience with that was like um, Seven Days to Die, where they kept on upgrading, upgrading, and stuff. I mean, it's I tend to play it to see if I like it, and then hold off until it's pretty much gone gold, and then smash into it. But I know some people enjoy um, seeing the game come together as they play.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely got potential, and I, I I just hope that it isn't too focused on the kind of robot mini robot stuff because that stuff and the science based stuff. Generic. Yeah, it's generic, and you it, it could be anywhere. It doesn't need to be tiny, then, does it? Uh, yeah. So, but all of the stuff outside of that, with all the different bugs and. You know, just like cool, like I, I had a little chilled ride on the back of like a ladybird, for example, and that was cool. I just saw where it was going, and uh, <laughs> that was kind of nice. So yeah, they, there's endless ideas you can have with that. I'm sure you know they could introduce sort of, like, I don't know, birds swooping and stuff like that, and you have to avoid that stuff. It's it's just endless the possibilities really. So I hope they really, um, yeah, I hope they've really come up with some cool ideas
0: well to to move on from that um i suppose i will go from a tiny world to tiny racer which oh, i i had to review uh, on the um on the on the nintendo switch and i've got a real when i see games that are sort of like micro machines and to me like the, the pinnacle of the genre which is mashed on the ps2 and xbox
1: yeah.
0: I, I i do love a good toy racer or you know like a, like a mini car racer top down thing
1: didn't mention um, ivan ironman Stewart's super off road racer there but <laughs>
0: I was just about to. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, when I got this, I, I kind of thought, oh, this is cool, because this is a genre that, I mean, Mashed, and the sort of spiritual successor wrecked on the PS3, which was digital download only. It got slaughtered, and it's a clearly just a really fun game. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, really, I really like the genre. I've got a lot of time for it. And so when I got Tiny Racer, it's a game where, you're sort of taught, you know, you're like a sports car or a camper van or a police car. It's kind of pretty generic vehicles. And it's just a sort of third-person viewpoint. And it's just there's no weapons or pickups to speak of. You're just driving around the tracks. It's pretty simplistic. The, the, okay. the audio is really generic and just... Literally could just be like sample files garage GarageBand or something. It's really just just like a loop drum beat and then like a ditty, and you're like, okay, that's fine. It's I'm not here to get like lost, lost in the soundscapes. It's a toy racer, and the visuals are like the the visuals look great in screenshots. I would say because it's they're very cartoony, and what they've done is they've made the the sort of um, frame rate more important than the draw distance. So it, you Good. don't everything is like you said with grounded. It's a bit fuzzy relatively close up but the frame rate is is steadier than it would be if they just had everything clear you know
1: it's obviously what kind a small of perspective a small, is it then is it top down it's well it's like
0: um i'm trying to think it's just a standard kind of like grid auto sport perspective where it's like a All fixed right, okay. camera just behind and above the car
1: All right, okay.
0: um, and you're going around sort of um micro machines-esque kind of courses that like look like they've kind of been hand built in a garden or whatever and the courses themselves are quite fun but like, there's a few jumps and stuff yeah. um and you know the the visuals are up for, you know for 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 a lower budget title if they're fine but there is a massive fundamental problem with the controls and the physics and it's pretty much game breaking so the con- when the controls come up it, it's literally like accelerate uh, brake reverse and the trigger button for some reason is the reset your car back on the track and that is right. by far the button you'll be pressing the most so <laughs> you start off and when you sort of collide with the other cars it comes up with like a cartoonish kind of like bang, whack, wham sort of little image. Okay. And I was get I was getting those just driving along a straight road and thinking, well, so it's almost like my car's constantly just clattering off the floor. Like the, the physics engine really? isn't quite there. Yeah. What, so
1: tiny, like Im- imperceptible, like bumps in the road. Uh, yeah. creating kind of
0: whack. Whack. Yeah. Like I was constantly colliding with things That's the uh, and the, the physic, the the controls, like the sometimes they really like you'll turn and it, it's really really twitchy and you'll just massively oversteer and just come off the track. And other times it's almost like it's kind of like there's an inbuilt sort of guidance system that kind of helps you around the corner and you turn and you don't you don't you don't turn sharply and you kind of just coast around it. So mm. you, it's, it feels really weirdly unresponsive. And when you come off the track and you drop, I thought there was a problem with my because I know Joy-Cons do drift. Mine hasn't yet. But uh, funnily enough, the guy who delivered my as yesterday, he said he's about to buy a new Joy-Con because he's a stud of drifting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, he, yeah. So what was happening is you you kind of go off the track, and you can either, you know, if you miss a turning and you just like to the side, press the reset button, or if you fall off the track, it'll you'll sort of puff out of existence and automatically drop back on the track. But either way, what happens is when you drop, for some reason, your car just veers left. So wow. you like you'll land. And- and then, unless you you either just don't touch the controller, wait wait like a half second, and then move. But if, of course, like you would in a racing game, you're holding the button ready to rock. You just shoot off to the left, and mm. when you when you go over jumps, unless you're perfectly straight, your car will just you've got no control of it. In the end, you'll just go off in a direction. And think, well, I've just come off the track now, haven't I? So it, right. it's and it, it's only two players, up to two players instead of four. There's the the only unlockables more tracks, but it, it's a very bare bones game, and the fact that. It's not fun to drive the cars. is is just a bit it's a huge a problem. problem. yeah. yeah. So it, it effectively like it could be a perfectly serviceable like budget racer, but it just feels really unpolished in in the fundamentals. So it's a hard it's, one to yeah. recommend. Really. Yeah, and like I said, I love these games. I'd happily check them on come over because you know they, they're fine. But yeah, this this is one that I I can't think of a who would benefit from playing it really.
1: What what kind of price? are we talking about? I mean, is it a okay, mid budget?
0: Oh no, it's, this is a sub sub tenor.
1: All oh, right. Okay. So, so it's
0: like, yeah. yeah, but again, if it was like you pay, I don't know, like six or seven quid and there's eight tracks, it's two players and it's fun. But when this is such a fundamental issue, mm. it, it's unless it gets patched out, it's,
1: you know, it's not worth it. Um, uh, If, if you do get joy con drift, by the way, because yeah, I have true. had joy con drift. I had, and it happened in a weird way where both my Joy Cons and my um, Pro controller all had drift at the same time. I thought, <laughs> oh good, because it meant that I was thinking, well, if I have to send, I'll have to send them all back, and then I haven't got anything to control with. Um, but it, there is a, the fix that worked for me was contact cleaner, and you can get it Amazon or whatever for five, and it comes with a little nozzle. And the trick is to, underneath each of the um, Joy-Con sticks, there's a little kind of rubber hood thing, which folds over the kind of uh, control ball, if you like, underneath. But you'll see this little rubber hood. And the trick is to get the contact cleaner, like, nozzle under that hood, push it under there, give it a good squirt, obviously wipe it to dry on that and then that fixed all of i had so i had well three sticks all drifting and it fixed them all so oh, fair enough yeah. I,
0: I know the contact cleaner you mean because i've used it i use up my guitar pedals right and, um yeah. so i know the one you mean yeah but that's cool yeah
1: yeah that's it did seem to hand be it. pretty pretty straightforward shouldn't have to do it and frankly they, they should really be just addressing the problem. source yeah but, um, yeah, so that so that's good, because it means you don't have to send all this stuff back to Nintendo. Um, right, I'll move on to Bioshock Infinite then.
0: One day you'll stop talking about Bioshock games in these state of place.
1: I know. <laughs> well, I went through all all three of them last time, so let's go through two, two of the DLC packs for Bioshock Infinite. Uh, I don't... I, I don't normally go in for DLC, to be honest, but this, this one seemed interesting because it was the Bioshock Infinite kind of uh, gameplay and uh, engine, but returning to Rapture. Oh, okay. Because so, uh, it's called Burial at Sea, and there's two parts to it. Um, part one uh, has Booker DeWitt and Elizabeth returning to Rapture, and, it is, and it's cool to be back there sort of thing, although the actual environments are, little bit samey there's nothing really that new and this is the first part this part one is a is pure shooter exercise really um and yeah they've they've reintroduced the slide rails from um bioshock infinite which doesn't really make sense in the rapture environment because of course it's quite a closed environment so having slide rails doesn't really make that much sense (laughs) and it's like why did i not see these the first time but anyway so (laughs) Um, and it does have a, this weird thing where it's kind of heavily compromised between like the shooter stuff of Bioshock Infinite and the the survival stuff of the original Bioshock. So although you've got loads of guns, your ammo is weirdly limited. <laughs> like it's really strange that everything's got really like tiny um, magazine sizes. I guess it's to kind of force you to use um, the different weapons um across its very brief runtime because it's only maybe 2 or 3 hours tops so okay. um yeah it's okay but it's not as good as part 2 very let's see part 2 which is i don't know whether they maybe um responded to criticism of the first one but it's much more expansive and much more interesting and this time you play as elizabeth but she's not a fighter so the focus is on um sneaking and Kind of tactical combat more than anything. So you're not just shooting people down. You're trying to find ways to sneak around and um, use the environment to take out enemies and that. As with every game since the first one, though, hypnotize is usually the answer. Hypnotize being the one <laughs> where you make one one person basically kick off, start shooting the other ones, and then it all you know. And you just wait around basically.
0: Um, they should have done that in the Second World War, and they washed up on the beaches of Normandy.
1: Exactly. And then
0: the commanding officer Chetuna said, don't worry, put your guns down. I'm just going to hypnotize everyone. Yeah,
1: sort this I out. just hypnotize one person. He'll kick <laughs> off, and it'll be a chain reaction across the entire German army. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the sneaking element is quite simplistic. Like, it's not... It. It's like... Uh, kind is like dishonored light or something there isn't really much you can do except crouching and sneaking around although there's some nice touches like because of course it's quite a shattered world there's a lot of places where there's like broken glass on the floor so if you kind of walk across that it will alert guards to your presence and stuff so that's quite a nice little touch um but the the vigors you use or plasmids or whatever they're called in this one um they basically kind of ape other sneaky games sort of like so one of them you can see through walls for example and and another one you can just stay still and you go invisible which i found quite amusing to troll guards with that one um There is one annoying part where it does turn into a massive shooting section. And it was like, well, I'm not really equipped for this. You haven't really prepared me for this. So, uh, but I guess they've got to have something, um, and it's, and like, like I find with a, um, a lot of these kind of short form DLC little story modes, especially is it is one of those games where you, you become very overpowered just before it ends, uh, (laughs) <laughs> which which means you you feel at your most powerful and then and then it just comes to a halt sort of thing so you don't really get a chance to enjoy it too much, but it's cool how the story feeds into the start of the original Bioshock that's quite a nice touch, You're and right. yeah it's I'd say if you know if you've got the game of the year edition or whatever edition you've got well the one on Switch has all the DLC I would por- probably skip part one because it's a bit samey but part two is definitely worth worth playing i would say cool oh it's quite
0: a nice surprise and the fact that if it's cyclical as well round at the start of the first one that's that's a nice touch as if it's not done in a really clunky fashion
1: yeah well i mean all the (laughs) storytelling the bioshock games is a little bit clunky but you know oh come on in fact all video games is quite clunky but there you go Mm,
0: (laughs) hashtag unpopular (laughs) opinion hashtag Hashtag blow my brains out
1: (laughs) (laughs) hashtag facts (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, um so yeah, well I'll move
0: on then to a physical uh, thing I got sent, which is the Venom travel kit. Um which is it's kind of a a, a kit of a few things it's got in it. Um so like it a sounds
1: like it just sounds like something you take on Holiday to France. It sounds like something the Bane from the Batman
0: franchise would take on Holiday to France. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, oh, I better take my backup pack. Yeah. <laughs> just in case okay. I want to go just in case I want to go bonkers in the smoking here <laughs> of the airport. Um Yeah, you say if you like someone you know, shoulder barge's bane when he's kind of in his like sort of skinny Mexican persona and they shoulder barge him and he's like, right, hang a banger. When he pops up in, like a little kit and just injects himself in the scrotum and just kicks off. Um
1: <laughs> and he just makes his balls massive. <laughs> So, so quite what I had in mind. Yeah <laughs> And a nearby doctor just says
0: you could you can inject that anyway, you don't have to you it don't just... have to do that. It's <laughs> it's really unpleasant. Um just popping a sack out through the zip to inject the venom. Anyway, this is the Venom travel kit. <laughs> um uh, uh, yeah, so from Venom, which is a UK company that do sort of um third party uh, accessories and so on. I've never um I've never come across them before, but then I spoke to my brother Transvaal. And he said, yeah, he's got a load of things by them, and they're really cool." So that was a nice, you know, sort of a nice starting point. So the kit comes with um, like a like a hard kind of uh, hard uh, carry case for an Xbox controller, a phone clip uh, that goes on the controller. You can then put your mobile device in, two thumbsticks, a couple of stickers, and like a rechargeable battery for the Xbox
1: One. Um, so the thing for, for the, the phone thing is that designed so that you can attach it to the controller to your phone and play games on your phone.
0: Yeah, because yeah. what this is what this is aimed at is the upcoming Project X Cloud from Microsoft.
1: Right, that makes sense. They're trying to cash in on that, right?
0: So I that I obviously I didn't have access to that, so I I used it for I, I'm not mobile gaming it isn't my thing. When I re, when I received it, I must admit I thought I don't think this is going to benefit me personally, but right. then I realised that Apple Arcade has got Beyond a Steel Sky on it, hasn't it? So mm-hmm. I I checked that on, and I got to say it was it's really it's really funky for what it is. It's um. The, each part is kind of useful. Like the, the thumbsticks I just chucked on just for a bit of a change for my Xbox controller. I've my I don't know if all Xbox controllers are the same, but the um I've used double A's, but this sort of fact yeah. this is a rechargeable battery is just really handy anyway. Although the recharging light on that battery is like an industrial mining torch. <laughs> it is you could literally use it to see into the future. It's so bright. Um so it's you might want to put a bit of tape over that when you're charging it up. Um and yeah, the the clamp is itself is really nice. It clips onto the thing, and it's like really smooth, and it doesn't feel too flimsy. And yeah, I just chuck my phone, and I, I used it for a, I played a couple of um, like racing games on there that were responsive, and then I played Beyond a Steel Sky, for which I'm in the middle of now. Good. And yeah, it, it's it's really handy. And I've got to be fair as well that um, obviously I've got benefit out of a lot of it because it's got me into now if I fancy a mobile game on apple arcade or whatever I, i'm happy to do that because it's a comfortable way to game like i say, the clip is well designed and it's got all mm. the ports still accessible you know all the charges uh, ports and add-ons and stuff but as as you know robert whenever like we go over yours for like a gaming night which obviously hasn't been much this year um mm. i'm forever just kind of having a controller and just putting it in a carrier bag so having yeah. like a specifically designed like a protective case is actually really handy.
1: Yes, yeah, that does sound really really
0: handy too. because of course controllers, if any, a bit of grit gets in them, it can be the end of them. So that's really cool. And I was thinking as well, I mentioned this in my review that when uh, last year, uh, a couple of years ago, sorry, when Fortnite was absolutely massive and at its peak, I was over my nephew's house and. Mm he was like over his grandparents, obviously a little bit bored in the corner kind of thing. And he was playing Fortnite on his phone. And obviously like, I don't like mobile phone gaming because you just got my stupid man thumbs in the way. And he Mm. was playing it. And I thought, see, if I'd had, if I'd bought him that kit, it would have been perfect for that. Like he would have really got some serious use out of it. So yeah, yeah, if obviously it's not the kind of like a, a a travel kit for, you know, for mobile gaming, isn't something that will appeal to everyone, but it's very designed, it's very robust. And it's like 1999 on Amazon, if anyone's interested.
1: But that's quite reasonable, and and yeah, you mentioned Project X Cloud earlier because that's obviously that's a Microsoft thing, isn't it? And that, that is coming to Game Pass. I want to say September, but soon anyway. So basically, yeah, on Game Pass, you better use X Cloud going forward. Which so they're obviously preparing for that, which could be it could be genuinely good because you know if you are if you are able to stream effectively your phone then it is quite a a neat device and probably the final nail in the coffin for google stadia i'd imagine because why would you (laughs) use that if you've already got your game pass and access to all those games potentially streaming so if the if the technology streaming technology can be as good that is as stadia because when i tried out stadia in the free preview thing it was incredibly responsive and i couldn't believe that it could be that responsive to be honest so the technology is definitely there if you can match that then it's a genuine viable alternative because when i tried uh steam link in the past it's just not had that responsiveness uh, when it's streaming like and that was using a wired um wired broadband you know in the same room and it it still failed (laughs) to have the same level of responsiveness but stadia was incredibly responsive so Yeah, that could definitely work. Um, So, yeah, I would imagine that Microsoft could corner that market, actually. And I think that's what they're planning to do by adding it to the Game Pass kind of uh, roster.
0: They've really ramped ramped things up in the last couple of years. And I'm playing my Xbox and just drifting towards Microsoft far more than I used to because they seem to be making a lot of good progress and good steps in the right directions these days, which is cool.
1: Yes, they, well, they're definitely um, uh, innovating in a way. I think innovating not so much in maybe the the actual games that are being released, but in the way that they are, in the way that they're being released. And kind of like the fact that, you know, X, the xCloud thing is going to be rolled out across, uh, on obviously Android and stuff, not on Apple, I might point out, because Apple have decided that, Um, you shouldn't, you can't they don't want to have like Game Pass available on uh, Apple devices because they can't um, they can't curate the content Mm -hmm. they're worried about the content, you know like they can't check that the content is suitable for all their customers supposedly which sounds like total bullshit to me because that's (laughs) like saying like banning Spotify because they can't curate the content you know, or or Netflix it's like they're not going to Stop them because they can't create the content. So, why is it any different for Game Pass? I don't know. Yes. Yeah, it's all a bit sus. So, but I, I yes, I like Microsoft's approach of trying to get stuff onto as many devices as possible uh, and just focusing on the software. And I'm, I'm happy with that because the kind of lockdown console wars of the past are very outdated, really, aren't they? And it's not consumer friendly on any level. I mean, it might be fun to have like a console war, but the only, only thing, person that benefits, only people that benefits, are those at the top. It doesn't hmm. it really doesn't benefit the consumer at all?
0: So, have you got any? Um, other, I'm I'm just going to take a wild guess and say
1: there's a child in your house as well. There is a child next door, <laughs> and his favorite, um, his favorite pastime is screaming. As far as I can ah,
0: see, much like my dad. <laughs> uh, when, he, when he drank his magic potions in the shed <laughs> 16 cans of magic potion
1: um, he could probably so... give that child a magic potion and maybe he'd shut up but yeah
0: anything for you sorry because I've done my Venom Travel Kit bit
1: <laughs> uh, I can move on to Paper Mario The Origami King mm. which is obviously the latest in the Paper Mario series uh, long running series and it is, uh, yeah. It, it this obviously goes back quite a way, and I, I think there's there tends to be a, quite a large minority, perhaps should we say, who look back to the Thousand Year Door uh, on GameCube, I think it was, as being like the high point of this series, and anything else since really hasn't hasn't cut the mustard as far as they're concerned. I personally, I never played Thousand Year Door, so it's not really an issue for me. So the only other uh, paper Mario game I played was Color Splash on the Wii U, on the lovely Wii U. And <laughs> but I would say that this is another in a, a, like a series of games on Switch, which isn't quite as good as the Wii U version, because I huh. it's the same happened with Yoshi's Crafted World, which is on Switch.
0: The Secret to Yosh Wooly
1: World? Woolly World, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which wasn't as good as Woolly World. And then you've got Kirby Star Allies on Switch, which wasn't as good or interesting as Rainbow Paintbrush. So again, this is a bit of a step down as well. And it's it's still
0: Rainbow Paintbrush is
1: yet another dream theatre album. <laughs> Curse <laughs> of the Rainbow Paintbrush, no less. Um it is it's it's beautiful to behold because it's like a it's like a kind of isometric. Um, adventure game basically and everything is made out of craft materials so cardboard or paper or whatever um and it's it's very charming i don't think i remember the writing in color splash being a lot sharper but this is this is just a bit cutesy really there aren't that many really funny jokes in it um it is fun exploring the world but I, my basic basically it comes down to this really what is more fun going around splatting the place with paint or using scraps of paper to fill in gaps and i think splatting a pa- the place with paint is always going to be more interesting and that's what mm. you're doing a color splash and in this you you fill in these kind of gaps in the scenery with um big mounds of confetti and it's okay but I don't know. I think if you ask Charles, like, what do you want to do? Do you want to mess about with paint or mess about with confetti? They're going to go for the paint. So anyway. (laughs) um, So Color Splash was a a card battler, essentially, which is fine. They're okay. Um, But here, I think the combat system, they've gone for something completely different. And I'm not sure it's just completely bad, but it's not that fun. (laughs) So basically, when you go into a battle, you get this... It's like a kind of top-down view, and you have you. It's in a circle, right? So, and on this circle, you have four wheels, and right. basically, you're effectively solving a puzzle before you get to attack the the enemies. So they're all laid out in a in apparently random pattern, and you use uh, you have a certain amount of moves to either um, turn these circles to get the the enemies in position or shift them along a kind of Y-axis to get them in position or is it X-axis? Anyway, whatever. And so you're, you're shifting them around in order to line them up, either line them up so that you can like jump on their heads in a row or get them into a block so that you can smash them with a hammer, say, right. Yeah. Which is fine, but there's a really strict time limit, um, which can make it very frustrating. And, there's and what's annoying is there's always an ideal way of solving one of these puzzles like it isn't completely random so there is always an ideal way of doing it but it's often very difficult to actually get that ideal setup and every time you don't get it perfectly like the crowd noise and there's just kind of disappointed ah oh, like you just failed miserably <laughs> and it's really <laughs> annoying um, so it's an irritate time based <laughs> puzzle basically and um and I found, like, after a while, you get the option, you get a device where it will show you, it will point out on the on this kind of top-down view what the ideal way you need to get the positions of the enemies in order to maximise the um, the damage. And I just turned that on as like an accessibility option because I was getting sick of disappointed sighs from the audience every time I went oh. Um Yeah, and, and I think that it's a, a really essential problem with the game because... In something like, say, Color Splash, there wasn't really a perfect way of competing in these battles because it was a card battler. It was like it depends on your deck. It depends on many, many different possibilities of how you use those cards or whatever. OK, but so success or failure felt more like a process of adaptation rather than perfection. I, I do admire them for doing trying to do something different, but it's so obtuse. I can't imagine younger players having much fun with it. I'd be interested to see what younger players think of this and how how they get along with this. But anyway, this sounds
0: like two things. The best card battling game is SNK versus Capcom Card Fighters Clash on the Neo Geo Pocket Color. So I don't, and... you get, any... <laughs> I don't get any arguments here. <laughs> and the, yeah, the second thing is it reminds me of when when a when like a, a turn based battler RPG of any sort has like a like a system that's fundamentally you just don't click with whether it's good or bad you're like this isn't i'm not having, i'm not i'm not getting that sense of dynamism that other people may get it reminds me of what was that game called the people from the people who did pokemon made it was released on the switch uh, and they oh, branched um, out
1: little th- town is it just called town little the town little
0: hero, hero. Yeah. and yeah that was like yeah the presentation was fine the visual's really cool the frame rate was a bit iffy but then the, the fun like the tutorial just showing explaining this really complex yes like a turn-based attack system went on for ages and i thought i just don't it's not f- instant enough it's not fun enough to just grab a hold yeah. of
1: yeah so, well this is quite instant and it's pretty straightforward to understand it's just not that much fun even when you get oh, good at right, it okay. and and that's the problem. The boss battles are much better, I would say, because they still got these. They've still got the kind of uh, circles idea, but it's a bit different because the the boss will be in the middle, and basically you've got you shift the circles in order to and all and like on the different squares there'll be like arrows or um or different attacks, so you can basically switch all the circles in order to create a pathway to get close to the boss in order to. Attack them with something and the boss Can disrupt the circles in certain ways so they Can like one of them throws like rubber bands Which will ping you around the place and that's Quite fun and I kind Of wish all the combat had been based on that To be honest um, Yeah so But saying that it, The the battle system isn't, isn't that fun everything else When you're exploring the world is really cool And it looks good And it's quite amusing Like uh, and it And it is fun exploring and finding secrets and stuff. Um, And the music's really lovely. I mean, you know, all these things you kind of expect from Nintendo, really. Um, And it feels good. The the motion controls are a bit tedious, but you can turn them off if you want. Yeah, uh, but it's just that. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing on because of the stuff between the battles, basically. And you can tell that they're not that confident in the battle system in the fact that, you can really avoid most battles like like you don't have to get into most battles and i don't because i just think it's not fun enough for me to do it for the sake of it and you get and really your currency for everything basically is coins and you get so many coins in the environment anyway that it's never worth going to battle in order to earn yeah because there's no real there's no kind of classic RPG progression of, like, levels and stuff. You don't get better at battling by being in battles. You just pick up stuff in the environment anyway. So, yeah. And when you could... say
0: that it's not worth going in a battle, is there any point going to any part of East Sussex?
1: <laughs> not really. You might want to pop out a Leatherhead while you're there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so... There is a storyline, I haven't even mentioned it yet, but basically it's this
0: uh <laughs> if to... like
1: the the <laughs> castle is wrapped up in these big long streamers, uh maybe five or six, and you're basically each streamer is is attached to a different like world. So you go you travel from world to world, working out the puzzles defeating the boss in order to un- uh, to get rid of the streamer which is locking the castle in place and then I guess I haven't got there yet but I'm guessing that the final section will be in the castle itself and I will play to the end because it's, it's fun and charming enough despite the, the battle system and
0: you're a Nintendo fanboy
1: and that too so. Speak, speaking of
0: Nintendo fanboys, while you were talking, then I'm, I'm, I'm I, where I'm sitting doing this in the games room. Next to me is all face DS games and 3DS games. I picked one up called WarioWare DIY, where you can make your own micro games and save them for other people to play. Why? Why haven't I been told about this? WarioWare is like the best series of games ever made. That's bizarre. That's, that's, bit, that's amazing. So I'm gonna. I'm, after this podcast, I'm literally going to just say,
1: "Give me the cartridge," and I'm just gonna play it. That sounds amazing. I um, feel like there must be some caveat to this, because otherwise I'd heard about it. Are <laughs> <laughs> you worried that I'm going to be a drawing of a willy?
0: Was <laughs> it,
1: well, um, so, it on 3DS then? Uh, on DS, this is
0: 2010, 9. How would, how would you share it with other people? You can go on the internet, can't you? You can just share it on the internet. Can you says you share microgames with yeah, friends. Yeah.
1: yeah, okay. So, I didn't even yeah, think yeah. the DS was internet. I'm <laughs> internet gonna...
0: ready. Yes, in fact, there's a sticker on the front: Nintendo Wi-Fi connection. So.
1: Ah, right. Okay. Um, I'll, well, that uh, I'll
0: cool. give that. I'll give that a go. even if I can't share them, I'll just play it with my friends when they come around. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that, thank you for that. That was it. Was nice to have like a, a nice high quality game, and it's good to see you're going to play it at the end as well. Um, yeah. The one I've well, got this is this next one is a game that I've secretly been trying to play since 1999. Bloody um, yeah. I know. Yeah, it, I'm so forgetful. It's Outcast. <laughs> um on the, yes. it was released obviously on the PC in 1999 and i like it's funny how my pcs have always been picked up second third and always relatively underpowered even now my pc is 5 or 6 years old i can't play modern games but i tend to do my gaming on consoles anyway really um so when this came out in 1999 i just thought oh that looks really cool you know a sci-fi rpg right up my strasse sort of like upper upper middling reviews perfect exactly the home run moment for me and it just never got the chance to play it. In 2014, it was kind of updated and re-released as I think it was called Outcast 1.1. And I just I thought, oh I'll have to play that. And then I just didn't again because I'm thick. And then in 2017, they released it again as Outcast Second Contact, as as like a fully, completely reimagined kind of world using the same uh, using the the same story, but but sort of updated with modern sensibilities. And again, yeah. I thought, oh wow, finally, you have to play that, and then I did. <laughs> so last week, I thought, right, I'm actually going to buy this game that I've been trying to play for 21 years. Um, <laughs> and it turned up, and it is it's a really interesting. It's really it, I, I got weirdly like um, not sad, but like sort of melancholy because it's got it's locked in the gameplay is very much of that era of PC. You yes. know, when, when um, it, there's like lots of dialogue, it's lots of wood, world building. And what they do is, um, you're, so the story is, is pretty straightforward. You're a a man who is astonishingly named Cutter Slade. And you wow. just are sort of a, like a hard sort of ex-soldier. And that you get a, t- a sort of approach by this shady general who says, oh yeah, we've worked out how to travel to different parallel worlds. But, um, we in doing so, we've kind of opened this portal that's exponentially increasing and is going to swallow the uni- our universe. God, yeah. so they just so they send one burned out alcoholic dude through. Good, <laughs> good. All um, you need. so he goes through. And he's actually not an idiot. I thought he'd be like a real wise, crack, and gruff voice. But his dialogue basically boils down to walking up to these aliens. And them explaining, there was a lot of talking in it. And they used the original sound files, so they're quite kind of grainy and low quality, which is fine, because that's kind of what I wanted anyway. Yeah. Um, and it, so it's them and the, them saying, to, to get the Farzak, you will know to go to the Ensuru, but you will see the Nglasi on the way, but do not fall into the Irathlu. And, and then you'll say, Irathlu? And they'll say, Yes, Irathlu. It's neither Klaatu Vengastist. And you're Right, okay, these are words. <laughs> These are words in a world yeah, that I haven't
1: spoken.
0: But, but what's really cool is um, whenever they use these words in the text boxes that come up on screen, the main text is in white, and then in sort of parentheses in blue, it'll just explain exactly what it is. Uh, <laughs> so you're like, oh, okay, so like, so I, I don't know, like the the the, the talon is the, the, and it'll just say in brackets the 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 the, pri- the sort of primary race of this world, and, oh, and oh. it's really it's really nice, That's it's funny, really kind of kind of welcoming and it never goes away it'll always come up so you're always like oh what was that again oh there it is in brackets i'm with so you. You, you it's so you don't
1: have to listen to it and then go into your buddy codex and work out what they're actually talking about
0: you yeah, do have a codex but yes. yeah it's, it's so kind of welcoming and accessible um a codex
1: if, in any game should you you should be able to ignore it as far as i'm concerned
0: yeah. Because like, it should be well written enough that you can understand what's going on.
1: You should have the thrust of what you're meant to be doing without having to A codex should be for people who really want to dig into the background of the world.
0: I look at you, Mass Effect. <laughs>
1: so so yeah, the amount of times I've started Mass Effect and read every codex entry and then it's probably about I don't know, three or four hours in, I just you start you stop reading everything and you just think I it's just taking too long. It's just taking too long to. Watch. And
0: it, it boils game. down to whenever there's a dialogue, you all you hear is if. Like right, where am I going? Where's na- where am I going there? Um, just give me a so, dot on the map. Please and shut up. But no, this is really cool. And like I said, I, I'm. It's got pretty middling reviews, and it isn't like a particularly um smooth game. Like the frame rate is up and down, and because because of course, yes, well, it looks okay. yeah Yeah. and you've got like now they've added in things like regenerating health and this thing called the SAV, which is yes a game save crystal so you can just save wherever you are um and it, it's kind of it, it's a really nice i'm really enjoying playing it even though it's locked into that late 90s um mm. pc thing of like you know there'll be a it's you go through a portal to like a section of the map and you get loads of quests to do the combat is really clunky and there's just one of, it's one of those things where you just run up to enemies just take out a few and then just run off heal up mm. a little run back in but there's something like really deeply nostalgic about it for me and i and i'm I'm I am enjoying it and I am determined to get through to the end of the game and I think all of its kind of idiosyncrasies and, and the sort of outmodedness of a lot of it I personally find appealing because I mean I've played boiling point <laughs> with Arn Bosloo <laughs> and enjoyed it. So I'm I'm up for anything.
1: Um, Would you say that it is something that could be enjoyed by those who have no nostalgia for that period?
0: Or no, is it the I...
1: nostalgia which is carrying you beyond the frustrations and idiosyncrasies?
0: 100 that i think if someone which is why when i like, when it came out it got like um pretty middling reviews but then when you look at the actual user reviews it's, they're just pretty bad it's either it's either people saying like oh this is just a broken mess or it's five stars and people said oh, i remember this on the pc it's amazing to play yeah. it again yeah. so but in fairness i picked it up for six quid um yeah. and you can get it for like under 10, 10 15 quid and i would say if for anyone who's listening to this who did miss it the first time around it is a really nice way and it's a real time capsule thing as well because they just simply would not make games like that anymore
1: so it's not that you so much that you need nostalgia specifically for this game but rather you need nostalgia for games of that era and i think that's quite a it's quite a reasonable uh kind of uh direction for them to take i mean it's 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 a laudable reason to resurrect a game like that because just for people who do have nostalgia for that period but want a bit more quality of life and a slightly higher resolution than three twenty p or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it. It, it. in um in the same way that I kind of enjoyed, you know, like the, the Gothic games or the, the the early Risen game. It they just they are what they are. And if you if you're kind of willing to put up with a little bit of jank, then you know, you you do get a lot of it. It's uh, it's quite nice, it's quite a sweet game. So yeah, I, I would say uh, I'd say give it a crack.
1: Yeah, and it's quite. I I remember playing it first time around uh, on a PC, which couldn't really handle it. But I remember it being visually quite arresting. It's got quite an, a unique visual style of this alien world. It looks really cool. Um, uh, apparently, it's not voxels. It's some some other weird bespoke uh, engine which is using it. But it, it's got a very unique look to it, hasn't it? It doesn't uh, yeah, have. Well- that-
0: to be honest, the remaster looks pretty generic. I don't know what it was like at the time, but it—it's—it's. Right, okay. it, it, it's, I didn't think anything specific about the visuals playing. Maybe I'm missing something, but it didn't seem unusual in the yeah, remaster I think, anyway. I don't
1: know what it was they used at the time. It may have been some adapted voxel engine, but it wasn't um, voxel Astro engine. Um, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't polygons in the same way that we used to. That was the difference because obviously so many games back then did use, were heavily polygon. Think of something from a similar era, I guess like magic carpet or something like that, where essentially you've got the classic polygonal environments, sharp polygonal environments and, um, and bitmap um, kind of creatures flying around sort of 2d creatures. So, and it, and it can look quite janky, and and I think what oh Outcast my god,
0: like the Might and Magic series, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think what,
1: what Out, why Outcast looked so different at the time is that it didn't it didn't have the same sharp polygonal edges in the same way. It looked it looked a lot more curvaceous, shall we say, the environment. Obviously, now we're kind of used to it anyway with bump mapping yeah. and stuff, so it's not really an issue. But it I would think, it did I, look I quite remarkable at right. the time.
0: I think that's why it was kind of really cool that this was re-released, because I think at the time it was quite demanding on PC, so a lot of people didn't just didn't get the chance to enjoy it.
1: Yeah. It became a bit of a cult classic. Yeah. So Second Contact, that's a remake of the first. Because I always assumed that Second Contact was a sequel. sequel.
0: No, no, it's just a basically like a, like a kind of remaster, a complete overhaul of the original game. Like I said, it uses the original sound files, uh, but it's just got a lot of quality of life. Quality of life improvements and uh, visual improvements. Yeah. So yeah, that's so yeah. I'm really enjoying that. Um, and it's on Xbox and PS4 and can be picked up for a few quid on eBay or
1: Amazon or whatever. Nice. Um, have you got further games to discuss? I have,
0: have three more to discuss.
1: Oh yeah, we better crack on with them then.
0: Okay then. Well, this next one is Sniper Elite Four, um, and this is th- this whole sort of section. Of, I haven't got any retro games to talk about today, but the, the um, this whole section of the podcast, I'll go through this next three, if that's cool. Have you got any left, by the way? Uh,
1: yeah, um, not really. I mean, I've I, I played a few hours of Modern Warfare 2, but we can't. Oh,
0: yeah, well, well, we'll talk about that. That's fine. We'll, we'll squeeze that in at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so Sniper Elite 4 is a game that's on Game Pass, and I played it a few months ago for a bit, and I thought it oh, was quite cool. I, quite, I like sniping, and I like the sort of bullet physics and how you have to give, like, a slight lead on it and depending on how far the enemy is away and i like the sort of you know, the zoom in sort of mortal combat fatality-esque shots as it goes through the spleen and stuff it's quite full-on yeah. it's actually the the only game that's made me wince that i can remember in a while like when i'm shooting people and it's going through their mouth and through their teeth i'm thinking bloody yeah. hell are you? and then shouting down are you all right um so <laughs> it's yeah i so i played it. i thought well, i'll have to get into this and then of course i just moved on to other things but i i've playing it, and I noticed on the menu there was a like an a online co-op. You can play through the entire single-player campaign and co-op, so obviously I rang Transvaal and said, right, this is happening. And much like State of Decay 2, it is a game, through its own seriousness, that lends itself to just really, really funny moments, because neither of us, are particularly, we both dislike stealth in games, and this is literally about being a World War II sniper, just incre- like it being completely prone on the floor and crawling through bushes, and that is not our approach to the game. <laughs> and it's just it's just really good fun so it just proves that um we're, we're in like three it's a, quite a strange layout because there's only like eight maps um and the first one you know the, the mission is like okay you've got to kill a general the second one is you've got to like liberate this village or whatever but i realized as as we played to finish the third one they they are huge and there's mm. a lot of set pieces hidden in the maps they're almost like open worlds that you know obviously you don't like you level up but it's more about just like sneaking around to seeing of fire you can get. And we're having a lot of fun with it. And it's really satisfying gunplay. Um, there's not a huge amount of unlockables in terms of um, extra, extra weapons and extra, you know, clothing and armor and stuff, but it's not really about that. It's more about the sort of minute to minute gameplay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've, we've had some really, really fun times in it, you know, just like getting like running away from it, like an APC and you both split up. And then one of you just runs off a cliff and, and the other one's like, I can't, I'm behind a wall and there is a turret shooting at me and I cannot move. And you just have to watch the other person die. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's really, really good fun. And it's it's quite, the sound design is really lovely. And it's, yeah, the, it's got some of the most satisfying, obviously sniper work I've seen in a game where when you're shooting at someone and they're like 180 yards away and you take them out with like a headshot, it is really satisfying. So I heartily recommend giving that a crack, especially with a friend because, it's it's a really good laugh
1: what did you play on xbox
0: xbox game pass i played it on yeah oh nice um, and this ties in nicely to the other two i'm going to mention because it's far cry dlc house hours of darkness and lost on mars did you play these i know you're not a big dlc fan. far cry 5 dlc far cry 5 yeah yeah
1: i did not play the dlc no
0: well we've i'll go through them in the order i play them so hours of darkness is sort of set in vietnam where it starts off again i played it online uh, with Transvaal and you so it's it's you start off in a helicopter that get shot down and you as unlike the original Far Cry it's very much kind of them um, a pretty linear you, you're basically trying to get to the sort of the landing zone to get picked up so it's almost like just a survival just just pegging it through this part of v- this Vietnamese jungle you're in just trying to get out and it's really cool because it's about I would say you could you probably get about five or six hours of gameplay if you took your time and did everything on the map but it's one of those games that when we were playing it, we were like, "Oh, you kind of you feel like you want to get to the end because that's kind of how the story is is pushing you. It's yes. all about you know you've crash landed, get out. So we um, and it's some really nice different tweaks to the main Far Cry gameplay in that you 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 pick up you know you start off with just a pistol and you just pick up whatever you can as you go along, and it it does this really cool thing where and it's something whenever i've um like read briefly about the vietnam war vietnamese war where with the guerrilla warfare where you just you get completely surrounded um, like, they just come at you out of this, like, long grass, and it's actually quite, quite scary. So, like, you'll be walking through, like, a knee-high swamp towards, like, a village that's burning in the distance, and then you'll just see some red dots on the map behind you, and you turn around, and you just see, like, like, sniper fire coming out of these reeds, and you're completely exposed, and it is quite creepy that mm. you're just being assaulted from every. You're not, you know, it's not like you're constantly moving forwards and the enemies are always in front of you. You do get surrounded, and it's like, oh, this is actually quite terrifying. So, that's really cool. You collect, like, lighters of fallen comrades and stuff, and, you're just making it through this section of Vietnam to get to the escape point. And then you kind of obviously have to like do a big, you hold off the end. There's a huge sort of siege while you wait for the helicopter to come. Yeah. And it was really good. It it was really, really good fun. And it felt different enough from the Far Cry six campaign to sort of stand up by itself. It's a really cool setting and it was really nicely presented i had less fun although we did complete it with the second dlc which is called lost on mars which is it starts mm. off and you're you're i think you're a character from like the far cry series i can't even remember his name and you get taken uh you just get beamed up to this spaceship and i don't know if you know the character Hook, the kind of hillbilly in the far cry he
1: games Rings a bell
0: he kind of talks like this all the time oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and, and it's like, he's, irri- he's irritating rupert is the word i'm looking for yes, yes. and and of course he's he kind of tells you he's a floating head and you've got to go on a collector's body um parts to put him back together. So this means he can spend four hours making junk jokes and talking about his sexual prowess, which is not funny. It mm. is it's like initially like, oh yeah, of course yeah, because I gotta get you Willy. But then he's still gone on about it as you do in the final end of sequence. You just shut up really about your dick if you wanted. Um <laughs> and 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 it's because it's on Mars, you get attacked but it's got the sort of um tremors sort of thing about if you walk on certain open ground these arachnid kind of insects will hear you burst up through the ground and attack you and you've got like a load of laser guns and stuff
1: you do love half life too yeah
0: you do get um you get um the guns are all sort of like space based beam weapons but they're effectively shotguns rifles sniper rifles the sniper rifle by the way the sight on it is the most ridiculous thing it's so you, you've got this huge sniper rifle and then when you look through the scope most of the screen is obscured by like this kind of weird metal alloy frame it's a really dark red and there's three thick black sights, so you really haven't got much to look through it's like <laughs> what this is just kick that off um so but there was a bug we had where my brother get, got to a point where he had um he had this like sort of gravity jetpack, so he could do these amazing arcing leaps up the inevitable ubisoft towers to like turn on stuff and i would i would be behind it and then i'd be like right <laughs> and then i just fall to my death because um, <laughs> mine just didn't work so we had to reboot but it is fun like you know the, the it, that sort of um, it adds an extra level of dynamism when you, you're climbing these towers to turn on these various switches and crystals and stuff and the jumps are like 60 70 feet they, 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 you, you jump and you're like oh am i gonna make it so that's quite cool um but it just felt a bit flat especially after hours of darkness which was quite kinetic playing this and i'm not a particularly big space guy anyway um it just it just felt a bit by the numbers but it's cool if you if you if you've got the game of the year edition of far cry it's definitely worth playing through maybe if if you click with the humor and having like effectively a floating head just constantly talking shash like yeah. just constant gibberish. Maybe some people enjoy that. I didn't. My brother plays with the sound off, so he can like hear me uh, talking and stuff. And this
1: sounds a bit aggravatingly wacky for my liking. This yes,
0: yes. It sounds like the
1: Moonraker of the Far Cry franchise.
0: Yes. So if you don't click with the actual and uh, oh my god, even even on Mars, even on Mars, yes. Mm-hmm. There are knockout dream sequences. (laughs) Oh yeah, baby! You just go into like these pits in the floor, and then just get knocked out, and you wake up in like a dreamy version of a a map from Far Cry, and just have to shoot like the the bad guys and that. You think? Just swear to God, the Far Cry sequence. He in Far Cry Six, your main character better be lucid and fully conscious for the entire runtime. The second he gets knocked out, I'm gonna snap my Xbox in half. (laughs) (laughs) Adaptive dream sequences now. So yeah. Um, and that is me done.
1: Good. Yes. Excellent. Right, uh, Well, I mean, uh, it sounds like I'll try at least one of those DLCs when I finally get around to it. Because I think yeah. I think Far Cry 5 <laughs> is on sale at the moment. So, yeah. You've got it anyway. I've yeah, been- I think I have the disc somewhere, um, because I've got it for review. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably... I guess the DLC wasn't actually even available at that point because I got it, obviously, before it was released. Yeah. And Yeah, I did enjoy the game, though. I, they're, they're, very, um, they're very formulaic, but um, Far Cry, it, it's like they tend to just... It, you might as well jump straight into Far Cry 5. You're not going to work your way through all the different Far Cry games, really. Are you? Um, no. But I am because looking forward to Far Cry the, 6.
0: The Hours of Darkness DLC is, is really good because even if you just... Uh, its Kind of, it feels so separate from Far Cry. And it's such an interesting location, and it's because of its like few hours runtime. It's just, it's nice to check on. You can do it in one sitting, and it's just an it would be an, just an enjoyable way to spend an evening.
1: Nice. Okay. Yeah. And um, well, other than that, I mean, I, I as I said, I'm I am playing Modern Warfare Two at the moment. Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, otherwise known as Call of Duty Six, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because I just fancied something uncomplicated just shooting action and that is what you get to be fair uh now i did actually play all of the modern warfare games when they first came out uh the original i guess was 2007 this one's 2009 and then modern warfare 3 was the one where i jumped off because it took me three hours to finish it <laughs> because i'm not <laughs> interested in the multiplayer and they were basically watering down the campaign uh progressively until it just became irrelevant and um so yeah with this one this is the remastered version which has recently come to uh is it ps plus or playstation now ps plus i guess but yeah it doesn't have it's just the campaign as well it doesn't have any of the multiplayer elements or or the co-op, which was a bit aggravating, so it doesn't have the spec ops because you remember the spec ops ones were like set missions where you're working with someone else in split screen or whatever. That would have been cool to go through. Yeah, they're really, really good fun. Um, But yeah, so it's just the campaign and I'm a fair bit through it. And the thing that sticks out about the Modern Warfare games um, are two things, twofold shall we say. The fact that what is it's so obvious that they've basically that the development would have involved them thinking of cool set pieces to have in different environments right um uh, and then once they've got all the set pieces in place stringing them together to create a story because you jump around in this game so much like you you'll start you'll be in a Russian gulag one moment in the mountains and then the next level you're in Rio de Janeiro uh and then the next level you're in like uh Washington and it's it's all over the shop I mean they the way they the way they kind of um explain it is by having these two concurrent stories where one one soldier is uh one troop is is they're trying to take down this Russian madman basically and the other lot are trying to defend america for it because it's under attack right. so that's that's one thing and i i, I don't really care because i don't because i don't care about the plot it doesn't really make any difference to me or just put me wherever you know and if the game if the level is fun i don't really care if it doesn't make any kind of sense narrative, yeah, narrative yeah. Yeah. yeah um but then the other issue which always comes up in these call of duty games and i don't know if they still use this conceit now, but they did use it definitely for at least the first three games. And I'm assuming black ops as well, but the kind of the gameplay loop is that you will be the kind of semi linear levels and you work your way through. And basically you'll come to a point where you're pinned down, say, and you'll take out some guys. If you just sit there um, or take it extremely slowly, then those people it will just be an endless stream of soldiers coming at you and so all what it comes down to is you need to get to the next checkpoint and this is where it's really really actually underneath it's extremely arcadey because it's it's as simple as that you you advance to the next checkpoint as soon as you see checkpoint reached at the top of the screen you're just like thank god because you know that if you just get murdered in the next couple of minutes you'll just go back to that checkpoint so the thing Hmm. um so it but what the effect it has is really quite limiting the different styles of play that you can employ, because there's, for example, there's there's one level where you're, and it's a really cool setup where you're basically in this industrial, you're essentially down Cardiff Bay with like ASDA and Berg and like McDonald's and stuff, and you're working your way around um, this uh, industrial state while it's under like under massive attack from Russian forces, and. You, you're kind of you've given these sub missions to like, right, go and clear out um, the, the burger joint, whatever. So you, you go over towards that and you've got to clear out all the enemies from within it. But really, all you've got to do, you're just you're just pushing through. It's just a war of attrition, really. You're just constantly pushing towards it because you can't really employ any different tactics. Like I was thinking, oh, I'll sneak around the back and come in behind them and take them out that way sort of thing. But because of the way the game's set up and because of the way the enemies spawn, it's always just a constant, constant running battle. There's no, there's absolutely no kind of var- variety. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there's there's nothing like that. If you if you think of, right, okay, oh, I'll try a different approach to this. It really isn't a different approach. You can try. It is just constant running battles and... It gets pretty monotonous after a while, i got to say. I and mean, it's not particularly difficult or anything, but it just gets kind of mind-numbing. Like the fact that you've got this kind of semi-open level design. You know, you think about like Far Cry or something like that, where you go towards like a camp, okay? Mm. And you know you've got to take out all the people inside. And you will go around it. And you can spend minutes just going around, checking it out, kind of tagging people, thinking of interesting ways in which you could trigger chaos, basically. And and sometimes it's so much fun that you're like, I actually just want to reload that and do it again because it was like to do it in a different way because it's so much fun. Yeah. But you don't, there's never that sense of like emerging chaos in this. It's just relentless. like gunfire. Yes, like back and forth gunfire and just pushing through to the next incremental safe spot until finally you get checkpoint reached at the top of the screen and it is a bit monotonous i've got to say so i don't know it feels really dated in that regard and i hope that they haven't kept this in for recent games it'd be nice if they just had like okay here's here's a place that needs to be attacked here's a place that where you need to take down everyone there's a finite number of dudes use some kind of tactical mouse, or go wading in if you want to but yeah, it would be nice to have a bit of variety.
0: Yeah, that, they've never really appealed to me. They, they seem so one dimensional because the
1: focus is on. Multi- is, is the gunplay fun? It feels quite meaty, yeah. It, really, it doesn't really make much difference what gun you have, essentially. <laughs> and I think that what they do, I think that they're quite conscious of the fact that the actual gunplay is quite monotonous. So what they tend to do is mix it up with semi-scripted kind of arcadey sequences for example like when you're escaping from this mountain airport thing you end up jumping onto these skidoo bikes things right. and um i don't know what that feedback is um so you, yeah and you have a little there's this kind of race sequence where you're racing down the mountain dodging trees and stuff and it's okay but if you hit a tree, then it's just like right, reload the checkpoints. I think try again. Did you
0: feel a bit like Arnie and True Lies when you were doing
1: that? Uh, a bit, I guess. It felt if it, it felt like okay, this is a cool idea, but it it feels basically on rails, to be mm-hmm. honest, because there's not really like you say, there's not much finesse to it, because you'll just see you'll be you'll be like sliding along, you know, driving along, dodging trees, and enemies will come like zooming in from the sides and it's not like you're aiming at them or anything you just you just hold down the fire button and they go flying off the vehicles it's like okay so it's not like there's really an option to like i don't know bash them off the cliff or shoot the engine so they blow up or something it's just it just feels like you say everything about it in the one-to-one moments is one-dimensional It they really it really hasn't got a lot of variety in terms of um, the player input, if you like.
0: So bef- um, should we do the the games of the week before we move on mm. to what future stuff we've got? Because I've got a couple of ones pending. Oh yeah. Um, so I well, I'm looking. Sorry, I'm moving away from the microphone. Um, I'm looking at my list now, and, and so we've got Tiny Race, Carrion, Venom Travel Kit, which doesn't really count. Outbuddies DX, outcast Sniper Elite Four, and Hours of Darkness and Lost on Mars. I would say that my game of the week, and I'm just gonna for for co-op for two players I would say Sniper Elite 4 because it it does give because of its sort of slow pace and the openness of how you can approach things and just the the fun factor it's got um, and the satisfaction of the gunplay that is a really good online game to play if you've got uh, someone you want to chuck it on with I think you can only play with up to two players Um, but single play wise Whilst Karen is really, really good, I, I'm just going to give a little bit of love to Outcast because it feels like it's a real underdog that a lot of people may have overlooked. And it is, it's is—it's a, a solid game. So I'm going to say Outcast on the Xbox One for me, which you
1: can pick up on eBay for about six or seven quid. Okay. Well, I'm going to... I'm going to throw my weight behind Carrion. I oh, think, nice. Because, well, I think that Paper Mario is quite charming, and I think you can have a lot of fun with it i think carrion's much more consistently there's no there's no element of carrion which really annoys me to the point where it's like oh this just i'm just gonna
0: there's a caveat to my enjoyment yeah it
1: it, like the bit up to the point where i just got hopelessly (laughs) lost basically it was (laughs) extremely fun and so whereas with paper mario it's like I'm having fun but occasionally not having fun when I go into battle. so with Carrion it's like and, it, and you know Carrion's like a mid price game so I don't know what is it 12 15 quid so
0: something like that yeah
1: yeah um and so yeah I would I would like to and it feels Karin. quite
0: unique as well I mean it's it's quite nice to play a game where you kind of feel a little bit like you know John Carpenter is the thing with this you've got this wonderful yes. music um, ominous score and you're just squelching around as the monster so yeah yeah it feels um, like
1: there could be a lot of a lot of potential for you know a, a sequel or something there's a lot of it's got a lot of legs literally but, wow yeah. yeah that
0: we could like a sequel who would focus more on like say a monster of, of a of a different sort that we've seen in film and just keep the same ideas but just have a slightly different approach to it that could be really yeah, cool
1: the, i mean the possibilities are basically endless i mean you could have like it could be like the enemies are attacking your home world or whatever. And so you've got to use the environment to defend or whatever. I don't know. You could imagine a lot of different things. It's just a cool idea, which surprisingly you haven't really seen before.
0: Yeah. I mean, even if it was just the second one was just a Jason Voorhees ripoff, Voorhees ripoff called Carrion Camping. That'd be fine. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. Elm Street car- Carrion I'm genuinely breathing. surprised
1: that there isn't <laughs> the a Friday the 13th movie called Carrion Camping. Uh, <laughs>
0: Uh, so, yeah, what games have you got in the pipeline? I've, for me, I, I got sent. Um, I've got the Persistence to review on PSVR, which I'm looking forward to because a horror game of VR sounds saucy. Um, and I'm into shooters at the moment. I haven't been for a little while, but with Sniper Elite 4 and the Persistence. And I've got one by a Welsh company from down the road in Bridgend, which is cool, called Made of Skur. Maid M-A-I-D, not Made M A I D, not M A D E. Which nice. looks like a. Which i got to say, and I know you might. You might um, clear your throat and push your glasses up your nose when I say this, but it looks like a kind of really languidly paced, pretty walking simulator with awesome sound design. So mm-hmm. I'm in the mood for that, like a slow horror, because I haven't played a good horror for a while. And I, I remember we had a conversation and one of the, I mean, this is like, I think the 19th or 20th state of play we've done. Ab- unbelievably, um, we've been doing this since the Amstrad CPC days. And... <laughs> I remember a while ago we were both saying like oh, I'm kind of done with walking simulators, but this one feels it's so lushly designed and mm. the so, the sound design is so tasting it that I, I, I although I've only played like about forty minutes of it, I can feel it sucking me in. So that's good. That's that could be cool. Yeah.
1: I, I think with me I I'm starting a few games and seeing which one grabs me. So I've made a start on Blair Witch. I've made a start on Call of Zulu, uh, and. What else? I'll finish off Modern Warfare Two, probably. You no know. doubt. And Dark Side of Genesis has just come to Game Pass, so I'll probably be trying that.
0: Oh, yeah, we need to sort that out, don't we? Oh, yeah, God, it's just yeah. so much. There's so
1: much to do. I've got, um, I've got a horrible feeling it's going to be like Diablo, but you know, well, it could still be fun.
0: Yeah, we'll have to sort it, uh, obviously offline. We'll sort out uh, a day. We'll see. we'll have an evening of that, and it'd be nice yes. to kind of cover it together. And also, we have to spend an hour or two doing the next puzzle room in oh, Mad that's... Experiments Escape Room. Yes, we do. So we'll sort that out later on, anyway. But um, yeah, well, we should do this really every. I know we do the, the weekly, um, uh, Kino Kingdoms, but maybe every fortnight we could do these yeah. because it, it gives get, you need a bit more time to get into the games, don't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can. Yeah, you can watch Detox with Sylvester Stallone in an hour and a half. So <laughs> you don't need any if more time can, to absorb it than that. You can watch Granny
0: twice from nineteen ninety eight. So. <laughs> um but yeah so yeah i hope you have an awesome weekend and uh, i enjoyed that and the games of the week were carrion camping and outcast so Excellent. yeah good week some pretty strong games which is
1: nice yes good stuff well take care stay safe you take more care okay of okay. me
0: <laughs> bye <Bye-bye>. bye <laughs> bye for now